It's the Monday before the quadrennial New Hampshire primary, and that's why we're here doing what we're doing. We're doing a podcast. I'm here in upstate New York, uh, chilling. Uh, my son Jeremy is with clients out in Los Angeles. How you doing out there? Well, it's uh, it's warm, but it's um, it's a little gray out. It's pretty unusual. So, but it's it's, it's I'm I'm happy to be out here. Well, good. Let, let's get right into it. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so, Nikki Haley has to win. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. No coming close. No making a nice showing. Um, you know, holds Donald Trump to under 49%. She gets 42%. Okay, enough for life support into South Carolina. But the bottom line is she's got to win, win somewhere, uh, show results for all of her efforts, stop Donald Trump, and this is the place to do it. Now, is it a likely scenario that she wins tomorrow? No, not at all. In fact, we just go by the numbers. And if you look at the polling numbers, actually things are heading away from her. In the last six or seven polls, Trump has gone from 49 to 50 to 52, 53, 55, 57, one out today, 62. That's heading away from her. She is stuck, frozen, hasn't hit 40 yet. Been the beneficiary, you know, to some degree of um, uh, Chris Christie dropping out. And maybe to some degree it's helping her that Ron DeSantis is out, but not enough. On the other hand, New Hampshire voters do like to defy the conventional wisdom, so much so that they actually have over the years. I'm not going to get into any history at all, except to mention 2008, when Hillary Clinton was dead in the water after uh, coming in third in Iowa and ended up tri triumphant in, in the New Hampshire primary, which allowed her then to go all the way to the uh, Democratic Convention challenging Barack Obama. All right. With that said, if Nikki Haley uh, doesn't have much of a chance, uh, why does she continue running? That's one question. And the second question is, is there a potential victory scenario? So I'm going to say there is a potential victory scenario, but it's remote, especially given the polling numbers. What's the potential? Um, she may have hit some pay dirt of late, too soon to measure the impact on the, the question of former President Trump's mental acuity. That was not just a gaffe blaming Nikki Haley on his part, for lack of security on January 6th, that was much more than a gap. That was either anger and rage taking over a person's mind or someone who's lost contact with reality. Either way, it's up for the voters to decide. Too soon to get any real measurement, but that's a possibility. In conjunction with that, her other possible victory scenario involves a huge turnout among independent voters, many of whom want to stop Trump and many of whom may want to cause 
some disruption within the Republican Party. That is very real. Not likely, but very real. And then I'm going to end by saying uh, what makes her run at this point. And that is, if there is a sign that this mental acuity issue takes some hold, she's the last person in the race. And uh, going against Donald Trump for the remainder, even if he wins, likely every primary and caucus from here on in, she gets delegates. And if for some reason, whether it's a criminal conviction or questions about his mental judgment, uh, she goes to the convention with some delegates and says, hey, I won some delegates. I'm your nominee. <clears throat> Not likely scenarios, but um, worth talking about. What do you think? I, I, I think that's sound. I, I think that's uh, accurate. I do think it's it's unlikely, not likely. Um, you know, we look at the polls, we follow the trend with the polls, but there are other signals and, and indicators. And in the last week or two, a powerful indicator to me, aside from the actual numbers of the polling, is the projection of the polling in, in uh, New Hampshire. And that is the media are, are touting, are, are pointing to one poll in particular, the only poll that has started to show that they're neck and neck, and that's by the American Research Group. There's no other poll that comes even close to saying that um, overall Republican primary voters among them, that Trump and Haley are tied. No other poll is saying that except for uh, ARG, American Research Group. Furthermore, no other poll is suggesting, to my knowledge, that she's leading among right-leaning independents. That's one poll that's being pushed over and over and over, especially on the Drudge Report, a, a very frequently visited uh, media uh, aggregate site. And that, to me, is a small indicator of psychological projection, which indicates further to me that this isn't likely. It's more or less a desired outcome in the final moments, kind of similar to what happened with Iowa. There was chatter a day or two. Nikki Haley can do it. She can do it. And she got crushed. Now, I understand why there is the potential in New Hampshire, because um, anything can happen in, in New Hampshire. New Hampshire has, has brought us um, Bernie Sanders, uh, uh, John McCain, right? John McCain won. Um, uh, 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 other other wild cards. There is a wild card factor, but I just don't see it because there's really only one poll that's suggesting it's close, and there are no other polls. and And I don't think that that poll is um, is is very uh, accurate or credible. With that aside, uh, I I do want to say, man, we we just hear this over and over and over and over. The mental acute now. Judge it how you want. Uh, you can think that Trump is off the rockers. Um, he makes it very easy to think that. And then there's also the the notion that the the coming justice, you know, the coming um, there will be uh, 
a criminal investigation that will nail him. Well, we've seen that movie, I don't know, 25 times, 20 times. I'm exaggerating slightly. And that doesn't seem to be delivering the results that uh, those who believe that would like to see. So I'm just, uh, I am in agreement with you. I'm just looking at other factors. Another thing that I, I want to look at that I think is uh, important to, to highlight is we just finished last week the annual meeting in Davos, the, the World Economic Forum. And man, you know, one of the big highlights that came from that was none other than Jamie Dimon, the head of uh, J.P. Morgan, the most powerful bank in, um, in all of the United States and a very powerful bank on the global stage. And he got up before, you know, the Davos elite, the elite of the world. And he essentially said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, that Trump voters need to be respected. Now, what does he mean by that? Now, now first, we have to understand. I don't know what his true motivations are saying that. I don't know if that's because he really means that or because he's himself convinced that there is a, a, a Trump um, Republican nomination and maybe even victory, you know, in the near future and that he wants to avoid uh, the revenge and um, and 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 fury from Trump. I, I don't know if that's the case or if he genuinely has come to realize, look, we need to stop gaslighting those who, who like Trump. There's a reason that that people like Trump. And he even further said he was right about a lot of things. These are the words from Jamie Dimon's mouth. Jamie Dimon continued. He said, I don't agree with how he said it, but he had a point about immigration. He had a point about China. He had a point about trade deals. He had a, a point about the border and, and, and a whole slew of other things. Um, that is very important because what that means is that's a huge signal to the Democratic base who following, you know, the, the media talking heads following Trump's victory in Iowa started again with the hyperpolarization and the invoking Trump as a Nazi, Trump is dangerous, uh, that's very dangerous that kind of language coming from uh, from prominent media talking heads is not good for the political landscape. And so when we put this all together, what Democrats have to realize is they have to look themselves in the mirror. And instead of continuously going on the the Uber offense and defining their opposition in the worst ways, they need to focus more on how they can be a better path. They, how they can be a better solution to a Trump, a second Trump administration. And they are not doing that. And that to me is further signal that things aren't going to go well for um, uh, uh, in New Hampshire for, for the Democratic uh, uh, voters, uh, the Democratic Party, meaning Trump is likely to win. He is not likely to lose. And so that's my summary. Yeah, I only want to respond to to that very important message from from Jamie Dimon. You know, there was a big push. I lose track of time seven years ago or so before COVID. Anyway, for the business roundtable about corporate social responsibility and about how corporations have a responsibility, not just to try to make the world a, a better place, but to listen to consumers. 
and consumers are demanding more and more green, uh, more and more uh, social uh, uh, justice and, and equity, particularly younger consumers. This, I think, Jamie Dimon was responding in many ways to the Bud Light effect, uh, where Bud Light um, it, it just dominates the American market, the global market, in terms of beer consumption, and yet they felt the need to use an LGBTQ um, influencer uh, to try to broaden their their market, which they have defined pretty much as you know macho, uh, eighteen to thirty five football, and and so on, and it backfired. It backfired in terms of substantial losses in sales. I believe they lost about 25% uh, off of their market share, which is huge. And not just Bud Light, but a, a number of the brands owned by that AB comp company worldwide. With, with that said, you could point to other examples. And I think strictly from a business point of view, what Diamond was recognizing was, um, hey, there are folks out there who disagree and they buy beer and they buy clothing and they do banking and they want corporate social responsibility as well, but they may not uh, have a one size fits all sense of corporate social responsibility. And besides that, in many instances, uh, they're winning, they're winning elections. And so we can't, we meaning the, the world of, of business, the world of Davos and investment, we can't uh, be acting in a one-size-fits-all notion of, of who our consumers are. And in that sense, I think that was uh, another major turning point from the previous turning point seven or eight years ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I mean, I, I have to be clear, he, you know, he was very clear in his language that he wasn't endorsing Trump. He was just saying that, you know, he he said Trump is in his, his words that Trump was right about a lot of things. He just hated the way he said it. And so the fact is, is that it ties into my point that journalists and pundits and and those who are aligned with the forces of the DNC um, need to address that and and figure out how they could. Uh, how, how they could provide an alternative path that isn't so polarizing, that isn't, I mean, let's face it, that, that doesn't stoke or, or poke the bear. Because uh, that, that, that's dangerous, especially when we're at a point where the political landscape is turning into a pressure cooker. Uh, the fact needs to be that there, there has to be dialogue and not so much the gaslighting and the labeling and the, the overdrive on, on the, the mass hysteria in terms of MAGA gaining ground. So um, I'll leave it at that. Final note for me, uh, one thing can be certain. New Hampshire voters will do what New Hampshire voters will do, uninfluenced by the outside world and uninfluenced even by their own influencers. This is truly live free or die um, independent sort of folks. That's what makes it so much fun every four years. We'll see. We'll probably be talking about whatever happened uh, shortly thereafter. Enjoy the left coast. Yeah, enjoy the cold.